Hello and welcome to day 79 of our Bible reading course. The apostles continued to preach and heal just as Jesus had done, leading to another run-in with the Sanhedrin. But the church keeps on growing. Today's passage is Acts chapter 6 and then chapter 7 verse 48 to the end of chapter 8. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me as I come to your word now. In Jesus' name. Amen. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Stephen then gives a long speech tracing the history of Israel up to the building of the temple by Solomon. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, 
looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now for some time a man named Simon had practised sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptised, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptised. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness, and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, 
which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The growing church that cared practically for its members would inevitably give rise to logistical problems. Widows, whose loss of a husband often left them vulnerable to poverty, were being supported by the fellowship, but the increasing number of them meant they needed a more organised approach. So they choose deacons, seven wise and spirit-filled men, to carry this out, leaving the apostles free to focus on prayer and preaching. A good solution. But these deacons had other gifts beside administration. Stephen, for example, also preached and worked miracles, which unsurprisingly got him into trouble with you-know-who. Similar charges are brought against him, as with Jesus, about destroying the temple and disobeying the law. However, instead of remaining silent as his master had done, Stephen takes the opportunity to preach the gospel to the authorities. Boldness once again. After rehearsing the history of Israel in a traditional and uncontroversial way, he gets to where Solomon builds the temple. It's here that he goes off script, taking aim at his accusers for their constant resistance to God's purposes and messengers, including Jesus himself. To cap it all, he has a vision of the exalted Christ at the right hand of God, and that, as with Jesus, seals his fate. Once again his killing is illegal breaking their own law that a day had to elapse between sentence and execution, and also Roman law that it could only happen with the governor's approval. Like his crucified Lord before him, Stephen firstly commits his spirit, in his case to Jesus himself rather than the Father, and then forgives his murderers. So many parallels. A young Pharisee called Saul looks on at all this with a growing sense of anger and rage at what these followers of Jesus are doing. Someone has to stop them, and it may as well be him. 
so he begins to persecute the church, arresting anyone he can track down who's involved. So people flee into Judea and Samaria in fulfilment of Jesus' words. In Samaria, another deacon, Philip, exercises a powerful ministry, more powerful even than a well-known wonder worker called Simon. People turn to the Lord and are baptised. Peter and John then come from Jerusalem and give their blessing, laying their hands on the new believers who receive the Holy Spirit. Philip is then given a special commission to bring the good news to just one man, the Chancellor of the Exchequer of Ethiopia. The phrase, what would Jesus do, often abbreviated to WWJD, has been around for over a hundred years now, enjoying a resurgence in recent times. It implies the need not just to think Christianly, but to act in like manner. Stephen serves as an excellent example in imitating his Lord, even to death. How closely do I model my own life on that of Jesus? Is there a particular situation I'm in at the moment where WWJD might guide my actions? Philip's conversation with the Ethiopian official bears close attention. For instance, how he begins by understanding the man and his questions before speaking to him about how Jesus is good news to him. Is this a helpful approach that I can adopt? Do I know anyone who is searching, or at least open, to the Christian faith at this time? And finally, are there any practical needs that exist in my church at the moment? If so, who am I expecting to meet them? Or maybe it's something I can offer to undertake. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the faith and courage of those who proclaim the gospel around the world today, near and far. Strengthen and sustain them, I pray, and help them to take any additional opportunities that arise during this time of pandemic, as people ask questions about life, prayer and faith. In particular, I pray for those who are suffering persecution within their communities, or from local or national government. May they have a powerful sense of your presence amongst them. May you fill them with great boldness. And may you pour out the Holy Spirit to bring many to Christian faith. Amen.